It's a trap! Hello and welcome to uh, Radio TCX in what is probably one of our weirdest episodes ever because, I mean, we've only recorded this a couple times and we actually have video chat going right now, which is something we never do. So it's kind of it's kind of unsettling. Uh, I'm Tim Dugan and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, uh, John McDermott. Hey, everybody. And Carson Wright. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's a great day to not talk about X-Wing, <laughs> so we'll be sure to do that. Well, so we've had um, kind of a rule on this show is that we are an X-Wing podcast and we've always focused that all our content should be focused on X-Wing, um, which has put us in a quite a bit of a challenge in recent times, given you know the nature of what's going on in the world with the pandemic. Um, both Minnesota and Colorado have shelter in place orders. So there's not really most of the game stores, I think, in the Twin Cities are all closed down at this point by uh, by mandate. So it's a little weird right now. Right. What do you podcast about when x-wing is on a hold at least through june marvel champions it's not yeah fair enough it's not <laughs> entirely on a hold too we still got people out there doing the vassal and uh tabletop simulator stuff too but the uh actual yeah like store championship season is stopped i think all of organized play suspended through may right or up at least up till may uh through june i think is it through up to it's up to june, i think right? it's at least at least until june 1st i think might be through june i think it's through june because it was i think it was like a mandatory 60 day and that came out a couple weeks ago at least i think so yeah i guess maybe through just the end of may but either way it's gonna be a while folks so here's our promise to you we we've we are a weekly podcast so we always release episodes every week so this week will be no that part's still true that is still true that is the one constant you can and I also I also will promise that this week's episode will folk will feature X Wing content, but we also don't really have enough to fill our normal you know twenty two minute minimum of content. So we're expanding a little bit, and um, all three of us are X Wing players. So it's kind of X Wing content if you learn a little bit more about us, maybe. Yeah, I mean this is our. Adepticon wrap-up episode, <laughs> as we all had a fun Adepticon uh, safe in our own homes, uh, this is what we did. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but you know, I maintained all my Adepticon traditions. I uh, ate a lot of high-calorie food that was not very good for me, uh, didn't bathe for a whole weekend, uh, so... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Gross. my favorite part. <laughs> Um, this week, though, um, in lieu of uh, extra content or like normally X-wing focused content, we're gonna we're gonna diverge a little bit. There will be X-wing stuff towards the end of the show, I promise. But in the meantime, uh, John, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so when we were trying to think of what topic to come up with for this week, uh, I think it was you, Tim. Well, it was easy because we all we all made top three at Adepticon this year, so <laughs> that's what we're gonna cover, right? Top threes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about our top threes in three different categories. We each picked a category to cover our top threes in. Um, so we're just going to tell you what our top threes are and uh, discuss them a little bit. So hopefully that uh, will give you a little bit of entertainment this week. And we'll see if we can dig some X-Wing content out of it. Here we go. All right. I'm still. It's still weird to see you guys right now because the only other time we've 
like seen each other while we recorded is the um sacred lost episode of radio tcx that never released uh the week prior to worlds right oh yeah i forgot that we didn't actually release that episode <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think john you got the most boring top three so let's start with you <laughs> wow. okay wait so let's let's explain this real quick so um we were trying to figure out what to talk about so i was like oh let's just each make a top three list and then we'll all answer each each person's top three question so we all submitted uh what's your top three whatevers um and john went with literally the hardest i'd say question of the three to answer well yeah this is this is a big question i feel like people ask this of their friends often enough so i thought we should each talk about what our top three favorite songs of all time are <laughs> three so-, so he picked the most broad uh category possible but uh carson and i this dutifully like did our job dating question but <laughs> sure oh should we just call this radio tcx speed dating let's just that's what we're doing all right sure why not all right john what are your three favorite songs then all right so i tried to pick songs from like different genres of music that i really enjoy so my number one favorite song of all time is St. Croix by Family of the Year. They're an alternative band um, from California. Really like them. Uh, song's got kind of a fun, like, island music. Yeah, the key lime flavor is real good. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually yeah. the best of the St. Croix, yeah. Um, you can almost taste the hint of lime in there. <laughs> it's essenced, Carson. The it's, ghost it's a of a song, lime. <laughs> song essenced with lime. <laughs> anyway, it's a good song. Um, second one, More Than a Feeling by Boston. Can you sing it? I'm not going to sing it. You don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> oh, we should have made that part of the criteria. You have to sing a line from each. Well, all right, we'll get that for the next episode. I'm sure we've got a few weeks of content to fill. More Than a Feeling, though, by Boston. That was in an episode of Scrubs, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been in a lot of stuff. I yeah. I love Boston. Um, I love More Than a Feeling. Oh, it was in Scrubs? Okay, this is probably a good song then. I think <laughs> uh, my my dad really likes like the classic 70s, 80s music, so that's what I listened to a lot growing up, and I just always really liked this song, so it's my number two. And then my number three is Rooftops by Lost Prophets. Um, I think, I feel like it's kind of an underappreciated song. Um, Lost Prophets is a good group, and Rooftops, I'd say, is probably more like another alternative slash rock song um, that I discovered through a YouTube video when I was in middle school. So yeah, those are my top three. Clutch. All right. So uh, two of those bands I hadn't even heard of. So I'm excited to actually listen to those. I've heard, of course, heard more than a feeling. That's an absolute classic. Uh, Carson, I haven't heard of any of the songs that you chose. Really? All right. Uh, Well, they're all bangers. That's what you got to (laughs) know. first all, up yeah Car- carson only listens to bangers that's it that's right they have weird names uh okay so the first one um coming in at number three we have feel inside and stuff like that uh which is a flight of the concord song let's say it's like 2012 maybe 2013 um oh so it's like more recent for them yeah um you know after they're famous this is a charity song for uh children's hospitals in new zealand um and there's a really funny youtube series about the making of it um and then the song is really entertaining basically they interviewed kids and took the lyrics from what the kids said and turned it into a fun song that's awesome uh okay so then moving up on the list this is my go-to karaoke song. 
Nothing to Lose by Josh Grayson. This song sounds familiar, I think. Uh, it's a f- kind of fast-paced country song. Oh, you would yeah. do country. Country, gross. Uh-huh, yep. <laughs> oh, we should have just done top three karaoke songs. That would have been a better list. John, you screwed up here. Uh, okay, and then top of the list um, is Leather Silk by My, My, My. I've, I've okay, never heard what is of this that? song. <laughs> you might be hard-pressed to find this song. Uh, it's, it's great. It's just, um, it's a hard song to describe. (laughs) Really good lyrics. Kind of just, just give it a listen, John. You're in for a treat. When when I first saw the title, I assumed that Carson forgot what leather and lace was called and that he had just put in an approximation of what he thought the song was called. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, yeah. So my metric for like favorite song is like, what song like over the course of my life like do I still enjoy because there's like songs that you know hit it for a little bit and like you know you just play that song over and over for you know like a month and then you never listen to it again right um but this song it's stood the test of time you know I'm ancient um and you know basically listen to it most of my life and it's still still great well, yeah, me and Carson are the oldest members of Radio TCX. Uh, John, you're John. You're about to turn seventeen. Uh, yep, yep. Last <laughs> year I celebrated my sweet sixteen. It was great. Got a new car. Got my driver's license. Uh, mm-hmm. This year I get to buy dry ice and go to R-rated movies. So that's cool. <laughs> um, okay, so so my <laughs> I just like to make fun of uh, uh, how young John is compared to me and Carson. And also, he has his master's, so I really need to shame him in any way I can because I do not have even anything close to a master's. It's not all it's cracked up to be. It's fine. Shut up. You love it. Anyway, my three favorite songs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I didn't. these are in no particular order. I tried to just pick, yeah, like kind of on Carson's thought here, like tried to pick songs that I've liked across my music-loving lifetime um so the three i picked were uh it's only wednesday by the crash kings um which is a good i like a lot of like rock songs that are have like a you know driven by a piano melody and this is just one of those songs that has like that strong piano coming in you'll hear if you hear the song uh it's really good i also really like uh needing and getting by okay go which i'm a big okay go fan so i do love the alternative thing like john does and I mean, they've recorded a lot of awesome songs. They don't just make good music videos, uh, but this song's fantastic. And actually, the music video for it is also pretty good. So, needing and getting super great. And then I feel like um, I have to include a Beatles song on here. So I tried to pick one that I really like that I feel like a lot of people maybe haven't heard of, which is hard when you're talking about Beatles songs. But I went with "Hey Bulldog" from Yellow Submarine, which is not one you hear covered a lot, but it is a uh, really really fun song. Also got the piano thing going again. I respect that choice. It's a good song. All right. Now that we've gotten through the most difficult question, we can move on to the fun questions here. See, Tim, I had to think harder about your question than I thought about my own. But I guess that kind of makes sense because it wasn't my own question. But yeah, still. But I feel like the answers you came to, you're probably very confident about, right? Absolutely. Not not a doubt. All right, Tim, what's your brilliant question? So mine is uh, top three worst movie sequels. 
So I was trying, the, my thought process was I was trying to look at movies that I liked and then uh, sequels that I got hyped about and then was completely disappointed by what came out afterwards. Um, and I had three, I actually picked three movies from, I guess, inside the last probably 15 years. Um, I didn't include things like The Godfather 3 or um, The Matrix sequels because um, I haven't seen those. So I heard they're, they're all better. Gonna... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm curious to see if those made your guys' list, but um, my three picks for worst movie sequels, and these, again, are in no particular order. Uh, First one up, I had to go with X-Men Apocalypse, um, which, like, X-Men movies... Such a trash movie. It's so bad. Um, And X-Men movies are generally hit or or miss. I feel like the first X-Men kind of brought us into the modern era of superhero movies. Um, It's still fairly campy if you watch X-Men 1, 2, and 3. Um, but they did some really cool stuff and kind of opened up the genre into the modern era, paved the way for like Batman Begins and all that stuff. Um, but X-Men Days of Future Past came out a few years before Apocalypse. I thought it was really good. I thought it worked as both a reboot of the franchise, as a sequel to basically two different sub-franchise, and it was like setting the tone going forward. So I thought it was a pretty good movie. Um, had a you know a tall order to fill and it did it so I was actually pretty hyped for when I heard Apocalypse was coming out and then this movie is just so boring which one is a which what happens in Apocalypse because all the X-Men movies kind of blur together in so head. in Apocalypse they've got like the four horsemen of the mutants so um, it's actually Oscar Isaac the guy that plays Poe is Apocalypse he's like the po genetic Dameron, ancestor yeah. of all mutants um, so he can like control all the powers right and he wants to like just destroy everything. Go figure. Is this um, the one where they were in the like Egypt tomb? Yeah. Like, mummy yep. meets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's just, I thought it was a boring movie. Like it's so by yeah. the book and Oscar Isaac, who is a great actor. He's obviously really good in the star Wars, uh, sequel trilogy. He's also good in ex machina. If you guys have seen the, seen that one, that's a great, movie. Um, so he's a great actor. Yeah. And it just like his role here is just so campy and dumb. And yeah, this movie's not worth your time. Um, my other pick though, another great movie from the last 10 years was obviously skyfall. Um, I think the best James Bond movie. I know people will real bond fans will argue about that, but it's such a good movie on its own. You don't really need to know anything about the genre. Um, so I saw that movie. I got super hyped for when Spectre was coming out. And Spectre has a phenomenal trailer. Like, I'd recommend watching the trailer for Spectre um, and not actually watching the movie because the trailer makes it look way better than it is. And instead, we got this kind of weird mishmash of old, like, old, old school Bond and a villain who's kind of contrived and uninteresting. And it's got, like, a couple cool action set pieces. But after Skyfall, which had so much weight to it, I thought this movie was just kind of a waste. I'm generally just not like a huge fan of Daniel Craig as James Bond. Like I haven't really enjoyed his like subset of the movies compared to like the other ones. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's no Sean Connery, but uh, like I agree. I like Skyfall a lot and then Spectre was just kind of boring. Yeah. It kept up the trend of every other Daniel Craig movies. Good. I'm just not a big James Bond fan. And that's fine. Like, I totally respect that. And it's fun. Like, I picked this one. There are actually a ton of Bond movies that are completely terrible, uh, like most of the Roger Moore ones. So All of the Roger <laughs> But I picked Moore this ones. one. This one's on my mind in the last couple of years because I just remember how disappointed I was when it came out. Um, now, the other movie that really disappointed me, this is probably the worst movie sequel that I can think of, um, was Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. 
which was a complete and utter failure in every dimension. Part of me huh. almost feels like you picked this one just because I said it's my favorite <laughs> when we were talking about it a week ago. No, okay, so we, yeah, we were. To, I get, what prompted our conversation last week about Pirates of the Caribbean was one of you watching them. We were, we were just chatting about stuff, and yeah, I brought up that Anna and I were uh, like marathoning all of them, and I made the oh. comment like they were garbage after the third one, and then you and Paul were like. They were garbage after the first one. After the first one, for sure. Conversation about it. I didn't, and I didn't know people really like the other two because I feel like they've kind of been forgotten in time now. Like that's kind of how you can tell a movie doesn't have a lot of longevity. Like, like people don't like it that much because nobody's talking about it now, and they keep making sequels to them because I know they were financially successful. Which is funny because like the most recent one came out two years ago. Yeah. No. And they're still and it and it got critically panned too. Um, I think like the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie is a really good like just old kind of old school action adventure movie that works. It's it's a complete story. You don't need any sequels to it. Um, And obviously they did make a sequel because it was so successful. But even like I think Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End um, is a worse movie than Dead Man's Chest. But I expected it to be bad. I expected so much more uh, from Dead Man's Chest that when I saw it and it was just how dumb the plot was and. Liar okay. face is cool, but that's the what only do you mean? part I like. I'm confused about how your expectations from Curse of the Black Pearl led you to be disappointed about Dead Man's Chest. Um, so specifically, I think there is something happening. Because when did Dead Man's Chest come out? That was like mid-2000s. Uh, yeah, like, oh, geez, like, oh, six i'm gonna go gotta be oh five or oh six yeah um was john even born then <laughs> no i wasn't i was born on this movie's premiere night actually oh interesting um so which let's find I, out I how think... old that makes me uh 2006 <laughs> nailed it 2006 so you're not I'm 14 even i guess you're 14 that's years cool. old i mean you are still playing pokemon games so that's fair um whatever so I think I think the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels kind of started this like new era of movie. Like it was it was kind of at the cusp of when all our movies just became franchises. So leading up to like when Marvel movies really just made everything has to be an interconnected franchise. Um, the the a lot of these sequels that come out now are just overplotted. There there's no real redeeming artistic value to it. It's just uh, out there to make a bunch of fan service for people. So. Oh, people you don't like feel a like of... the artistic um, portrayal of Davy Jones was well done. It does. It's okay. It doesn't hold up super well now. Um, hmm. I w- I would like to yeah. point out that your expectations for a sequel to a movie that was based off of a ride were not met. <laughs> so let's let that sink in for a second. Okay, but my expectations for the initial movie, which I knew was based on a ride, uh, were well exceeded. So I feel like I expected something that was on par with the first one, and I did not get that. And and it, like it just opened up this whole genre of just throwaway movie sequels that will make a lot of money because they have a recognizable name. Hot take. Huh. I mean, that's like a fair assessment of some sequels. I mean, you're wrong, but we can move on. <laughs> Yes, let's move on. We spent enough time talking about my movies. John, what are your three worst movie sequels? 
Yeah. So unlike my um, top three songs, these again are these ones are not in any particular order. But I started with um, Taken Three. So um, I like the first Taken movie. It's like it's got an interesting premise, and I generally like Liam Neeson. Um, and Qui-Gon. I could I could kind of get behind the sequel. I'm like. It's not likely that the like same situation happens twice, but you know what? It's fine. Um, when, when they announced they were making a third one, which I saw, I was completely just like, I saw it because I'd seen the other two, but I'm like, there's absolutely no way that this scenario happens a third time. So, um, wait, I mean, that's I, how I felt about taken Two. like, right. Why would anybody do anything to mess with this guy? Um, Okay, guys, sorry. I, I've only seen the first Taken. In Taken 2, did they just kidnap his daughter again? No, I think... I'm I'm starting to get them mixed up in my head. I think in Taken 2, they actually kidnap him and his wife, and the daughter, like, rescues them. Oh, weird. Okay. Um, yes, so that's Taken 2. Taken 3 is the one where... Um, I think they actually, like, kill his wife in this one. <laughs> Jeez, this guy's had a rough go. It's like Mel Gibson in every movie he's ever in. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's bad. And I also just forgot that Taken 3 came out six years ago. That's wild. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you know, they took a premise that was cool once, not really as cool twice, and then definitely not even remotely interestingly enough a third time, so... All right, good choice. Uh, my second one is uh, Transformers: The Last Night. So I think that's technically the fifth one uh, in the whole Transformers franchise. So the like Last Night. Wait, I'll preface, they made five. They made five of movies? them. They made five what? of them. So They're all the same. Yeah, I'll, I'll except preface for this Bumblebee. With the fact uh. that like I really actually like the first. The first one is great. Um, second one's pretty bad. I I almost had the second Transformers movie as my like pick here. Um, but I like the third Transformers movie. And then after that, they just get even worse. But yeah, the last, okay. Night... Which one is the one where Optimus prime starts using his sword? Uh, is that four or five? Might be four. So four is age of extinction. That's when they brought in the dino bots, which after a couple <laughs> okay. watches, yes. I was like, you know what? I can kind of get behind this because the Dinobots. The are Optimus cool. Prime sword fight was yeah. the best thing Transformers. But I remember done. actually seeing the last night um, at the drive-in, um, which is where you watch Transformer movies. Yep, yeah, with uh, some camp staff friends of mine in the summer, and I remember turning to one of them after that movie was over, and I said, "What even happened in that movie?" I don't actually have like a consistent idea of the plot at all and i sat there for two and a half hours and watched the movie and i couldn't i couldn't even like summarize it for you because i had no idea what what happened see it's got sequel syndrome right where these movies are just over plot it's the same with the pirates of the caribbean movies where they're just way over plotted there's too yeah. much mm. nonsense going on and it's all arbitrary it's the same thing yeah i have a little bit of hope like bumblebee was kind of like a soft reboot um of that, that was a franchise. fun movie it was fun, and it had, like, the OG, like, Transformers looks, like, from the 80s, which was cool. Um, but, yeah, so. Um, my th- my third pick, and I, I would be remiss if there aren't a lot of people that agree with me on this one, um, but in 2016, we were graced with the, like, ultimate 
like superhero movie mashup of all time, which was Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Oh, so and bad. it's three hours of straight garbage. There's no <laughs> part of that movie that's good. Maybe the credits because you know it's over. But now, okay, so this is an interesting pick. Uh, I feel like from you, John. I know it's a bad movie, but you've told me that you actually really like Man of Steel. Um, which I'm kind of interested in what you like about that movie because I also thought that movie was pretty bad and kind of on par in badness with Batman v Superman. That's fair. Um, so I think like growing up, I read a lot of DC comics and like Superman was just never someone I cared about. Like I never liked the character because um, it's like they've basically made a guy that... Right, he's boring. Someone who can't lose is boring. Yeah, he can't right? lose, but then like they still make him lose, right? Um but like he never truly loses. Um, but in Man of Steel, I like Man of Steel for a couple reasons. One, I like Henry Cavill as an actor a lot. I think he's really he's a good, good actor. Yeah. in a lot of different roles. Uh, he was great in The Witcher. Um, Witcher's really good. Check it out I on felt, Netflix. Yeah. I felt like his character in that actually like tonally was similar to the way he portrayed Superman in Man of Steel, uh, if that makes sense. Um, it's kind of a more like, moody dark take on superman which i enjoyed subdued yeah yeah so man of steel was the first time i actually enjoyed superman in any form um and i think a large part of that is because um i love hans zimmer's scores so he did pirates of the caribbean he just done basically any christopher nolan movie um and he scored man of steel and it's really good um and I don't know, there's just something about that movie, like, I don't know if it's just, like, the overall experience that I enjoy watching it. Um, I I enjoy the story that it tells, um, a little bit more of, like, his origin. Um, and you get to see more of, like, his um, parents, too, which I really liked about it. Like, they go more in-depth into um, John and Martha Kent. Uh, so it's got Kevin Costner as his dad, which is super dope, uh, which I liked. Is so. it Kevin Costner or Dennis Quaid? I can't remember. It's Kevin Costner okay cool um so yeah a couple reasons but yeah so you picked batman v superman um but i want to ask you you think that's a worse movie than the justice league movie yes and here's why okay. so um since i read the comics like i really like um frank miller's um dark knight returns storyline which is like mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne's like in his 50s and he's just this old hardened Batman Um, and the whole premise is like Superman's like a government dog now and he does the president's bidding and they tell him they tell Superman like you need to bring Batman in like we're tired of his crap so Batman builds this like robot suit that's basically powered and has like a core that's kryptonite and he kicks Superman's butt and um, just like makes an utter embarrassment of him and that's awesome because, like, I feel like it kind of proved that, like, Batman was the superior, like, hero. or maybe Which we all hero, know, yeah. But, like, right. Um, so that, like, was kind of the rough storyline, um, kind of inspiration for Dawn of Justice um, with a little bit of Wonder Woman thrown in there. And it just, it fell flat. It wasn't even close to, like, the same level of enjoyment whatsoever. I will say the only part of Dawn of Justice that I do like is when Batman uh, beats the crud out of Superman. That is probably the most interesting scene, and it's not great. But then the fight ends because he's like they their moms have the same name. Oh yeah, that's no. garbage. Like that's so dumb. That's so absolutely dumb. not. So. All right, Carson, we've got John's picks now. What are your picks for worst sequels? All right. Well, 
so I want to preface this with both of you guys care about movies a lot more than I do. Um, so I kind of just decided to pick some fights with my list here. <laughs> um, so starting off, I picked uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, which is the third Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> which is when the series actually started to go downhill. Thank you. Um, the first two brilliant Pirates of the Caribbean movies, <laughs> Curse of the Black Pearl and Dead Man's Chest, uh, you know, focus on pirate lore, but still focus on like the human aspect around the supernatural. They still have human conflicts, um, but there is the supernatural element. And then the third one, that's when they kind of get lost in the supernatural side of things. They set up a really cool, you know, um, British Empire expansion, forcing out pirates all over the world, setting up for a last stand. Could have been a real epic conclusion to this trilogy at that point. It was a trilogy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we got some weird Calypso God whirlpool thing that was just like the biggest disappointment after all that hype and having Lord Cutler <laughs> that's Beckett it. be that's where it the bigger villain than Davy Jones. Like, that sucked. Um, Davy Jones was a perfect villain. <laughs> wow. Okay, so I don't think this one picks so much of a fight, though, because I think all three of us agree that this movie's bad. Yeah, the fight was Dead Man's Chest. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, Carson, you need to pick a better fight here. Okay. Um, moving on, we I can't have. This one. Um, <laughs> he's just doing this to troll us. He doesn't actually think this next one's bad. <laughs> it's my least favorite of the three. So, uh, Dark Knight, uh, ridiculous. Uh, the second in the uh, the Batman trilogy. Um, that is correct. It is the only Batman trilogy. Yes, right. <laughs> I, and I think all the movies in this trilogy are. Uh, really enjoyable movies. This is just the weakest of the three. This is the best Batman movie. Are you kidding me? Uh, Batman Begins is the best Batman movie. No, absolutely not. That movie okay. is so boring. I'm actually, I'm actually with Carson on this one. I do like Batman what? Begins more. Yeah, I, it's I'm just so confused why he would put. What like he can? You now he just said that he what? likes Dark Knight, but why would he put it on a list of worst sequels? Like it's not. You just admitted that you enjoyed it. Yeah, but Batman Begins is way better. <laughs> I would say way better. I'd say it's not. I, it's not better. It's not. It is actually. It is actually better. All right. Again, it's got Liam Neeson in it, so that's great. Yeah, Liam Neeson's uh, great. Um, um, Batman Ninja. That's great. Ninja Batman. Great. Uh, I think it does a really good. Jo- I think Batman Begins does a really good job of uh, really explaining the character of Batman. Um, but The Dark Knight's a really good movie, Carson. I think you're just trolling people at this point, putting it on your okay. list. Okay, um, well, <laughs> moving on to trolling, let's go with Lion King 2 for my third choice. Wait, this isn't trolling. Does anyone like Lion King 2? No, I mean, and that's because, like, the best Lion King, Lion King 1 and a half, came before oh, it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, didn't Lion King 1 and a half come out after yeah, Lion King 2? Yeah, like, true. in the sequence, obviously, 1 and a half is between <laughs> Lion King 1 and Lion King 2, uh, which is the best Lion King movie. Lion King 1.5 actually takes place during the original movie. It's yes. not a bridge. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's the better version of that story. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What? We need to get off Carson's Nobody category. cares about Simba. It's all about Timon and Pumbaa. Okay. Let's move on to the X-Wing content, because I'm, I'm done with Carson's nonsense here. All right. If you can't take this seriously, Carson, come on. All right. So I actually worked really hard coming up with my question. And by that, I mean, uh, I just took a question a listener sent me. <laughs> um, so shout out to Matt uh, Rangstorf who asked, you know, okay, with X-Wing events being canceled and um, not much ways to play X-Wing, uh, what can you do to kind of fill that X-Wing void? So what are some X-Wing adjacent activities uh, we could be filling our free time with? Basically, top three things to kind of fill the X-Wing void that are somewhat similar? Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, you can play Vassal or Tabletop Simulator. Um, I personally cannot play Vassal because I think it's unpleasant. Um, But I think Tabletop Simulator is a good option. I mean, for some people, like, Vassal works fine. And if you're one of those people um, where the interface isn't a big deterrent, then go for it because there's a great community there. If you're a little afraid of Vassal, I would say try Tabletop Simulator. I think it's a lot more intuitive, um, and I think visually it looks better. The only difference is Vassal is free. Um, You do have to buy the Tabletop Simulator application. I mean, to to be fair, um, any mid-90s website looks better than Vassal, so that's not a tall criteria. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... Other options, there's some video games that I think can fill a similar role. Uh, first one's War Thunder, which is like a World War II uh, combat simulator. Um, but particularly, they have really good air combat on there. Um, I mean, in Star Wars spaceships are based off World War II aerial combat. Um, and so here you can do, um, you know, kind of real-time dogfights circling around, trying to get arc on your opponent while they're trying to do the same thing. Um, so that can obviously feel pretty similar to X-Wing sometimes. Um, but if you really want the turn-based aspect of trying to do the same thing, I would recommend uh, Leviathan Warships, which is um, not very popular indie game where... You have, it's a, like, steampunk naval combat game uh, where you build your fleet. There's different ship classes that all have different, um, like, weapon hard points. So you get to build out your fleet and then um, challenge opponents. Um, And it's pretty cool. The movement system, uh, working your firing arcs, activating your ship's special abilities because it's steampunk. You have like shield generators and cloaking devices. So what are the areas it overlaps X-Wing in specifically? Well, of course, it's a game of positioning. Uh, of course, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> right. um, I thought X-Wing was a dice game. Right. Uh, yeah, and then um, you know you get that similar squad building rush, you know, when you build your cool squad. Uh, that's exciting. And then it's cool because, you know, you basically make the same decisions. Okay, here's where I'm going to move my ships and who they're going to attack. 
uh, which is, you know, mainly the decisions you make in X-Wing, and then you get cool animations uh, to resolve all that. And there's that fun jazz narrator voice in the game. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Is this, uh, is what is this, on Steam or console? Yeah, it's anywhere? on Steam. Yeah, it works on PC or Mac. Uh, if you need someone to play it with, feel free to challenge me. But just be warned, my squads are pretty good. Okay, so I guess I'll continue on that thread there of video games that can take can fill that X-Wing void in your life. Uh, one that I've recommended to everybody and is actually probably one of my favorite games ever made is called Into the Breach. Uh, it was made by Subset Games, which were the folks that did uh, FTL Faster Than Light, um, which is also a very popular game. Into the Breach is awesome, though. So the premise is, is that you are leading a team of mechs. Um, to go fight these alien invaders called the Vec, which are these like gigantic insect creatures. Um, and the game's got a really cool play style. So um, each fight you play, you're using your team of three mechs. Um, and it's got this cool tactical puzzle feel. So you just play, the maps are pretty small. They're like eight, eight by eight grids. Um, you only have your three mechs that you can move and they can each move and then do their attacks. Um, and it's, uh, it's a mix of not just killing things, but like you have to position, uh, the bugs around by pushing them, making them shoot other bugs instead of shooting the city. Um, it actually kind of makes me think a lot of when you're playing X-Wing and you're doing like a triple aces list where you have like your little three piece tool set and then you have to figure out, okay, in this matchup against these particular enemies, how can I use my tools? And I think it does put you in that right mindset of, um, when you're in a bad matchup in the game where you're like, okay, the tools I have are not great to deal with these particular enemies, you make the best of it, and then you have to make some really tough calls about like, okay, do I sacrifice these buildings that I need to protect in order to win the fight overall? Um, and it's just, a, it's got a really cool puzzle vibe. I mean, even if you don't, if people don't like X-Wing, I'd recommend this game to anybody who loves, you know, light, tactical, uh, puzzly uh, video games. Yeah, I mean, I think the puzzle challenges in there are pretty good. Um, like, I think it's a fun, it's a fun challenge that they present there. All right. So my, my next recommendation is, um, for ways to fill the X-Wing in your life, you can order one of the special Adepticon exclusive N1 Starfighters, uh, that almost went on sale on the 27th and then they're going to go on sale again. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow when this episode posts, maybe on Friday, maybe we will or won't get to buy them. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's nothing made me feel more like I was actually at Adepticon, like the digital weight of refreshing the page, hoping the store would open <laughs> for about an hour uh, that past Thursday. And, and then no payoff. So it, it, in, in a lot of ways, it does remind me of X-Wing, like when you have a really important shot you're going to take and then you roll your dice and you don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to roll hits and focuses? Am I going to roll blanks? Am I going to be able to buy this exclusive ship? Is the website going to crash? Who knows? Right. Well, I mean, in, before my favorite part about the X-Wing organized play was, you know, who could like click refresh faster to qualify for Worlds. Um, I'm glad they're bringing that back. And so I'm glad that, that you know, in these trying times, FFG is still delivering on their most exciting aspect of organized play. Um, and the last thing for my top three, because um, I couldn't think of anything better. I've been playing The Witcher 3 a lot recently, and uh, the Ard magic sign is kind of like Force Push, so that's Star Wars-y, I guess. Anyway, John, your turn. <laughs> All right, great explanation. Um, so my first pick is slay the spire we've actually talked about that a couple times yes. the last couple episodes uh you and i have played quite a bit of it tim 
Um, I cannot stop talking about and it. It's great. Slay the Spire, I feel free to disagree with me, but I feel like it's actually very similar to like a premier level X-Wing tournament because like you, you get your starting, you have your list, right? So in Slay the Spire, you have your starting deck and you're basically presented a map, which are kind of like your matchups, but they're all... They're all randomized. Like, you don't know what you're going to fight. Like, you have a loose idea of if it's going to be a monster or if it's, like, a question room or a treasure sure. treasure room. So, like, you go into your fight, you recognize what kind of monster you're going to fight, and then you kind of have to adapt your tool set, um, which, you like you mentioned in your Into the Breach analysis. Um, and then each, like, floor you climb up is kind of like your next matchup. Like, you don't know what you're going to get. You have to adapt and then each treasure room is kind of like uh, getting a beer between matches, which is great. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the closest thing I've had to, I guess, would have been Adepticon, which is sad. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, and I actually, I love Slay the Spire, and I actually agree with your analysis because usually when I lose uh, a game of Slay the Spire, I do blame it up on my matchups. <laughs> it's never my own right. fault. So I feel like having that, yeah, that's very And, and that is X-Wing. an important X-Wing experience too. Right. Yes. <laughs> Not taking the blame for your mistakes. Well, that's a funny. So I was lis- I listened to um, the Drive to Work podcast, which is the Magic the Gathering. Um, I know people are just uh, getting bored right now that I mentioned Magic the Gathering. Um, yeah, but I, I guy, stopped uh, listening. <laughs> the lead designer of Magic the Gathering does a podcast where he talks about game design. And he was actually talking about that, where an important part of what makes Magic successful, and I think what makes X-Wing successful, is you want to have a game where people can blame their victory or can attribute their victories to skill and attribute their losses to chance. So as much as people like to complain about like the dice system and matchups in X-Wing, um, that's always an escape route we have to like not attribute our losses to our own failings and encourages people to keep playing the games. Right. Uh, my next one, uh, amongst my X-Wing hobby, I also play Warhammer 40 K. So I've been painting up my army. Um, you know, obviously I can't play this game either much like X-Wing, but it's like a nice time to just like focus on hobbying. Um, so I've got like, like 55, 40 K models I need to paint yet. So just, and now you've got time. Yeah. Just kind of working through those and, use it as an opportunity to like multitask, like watch movies and stuff while I paint. But um, my last one is uh, somewhat X-Wing related, I guess. Well, let's, let's talk about the painting more. Cause yeah, I mean, that's something sure. that of course is like X-Wing that you can be doing right now, right? You can paint up your X-Wing squad um, so that when the time comes uh, and we can go to organized events again, uh, you can have the coolest looking squad there. You know, if you've never done any painting, uh, now's a great time to learn. Yeah, there's like a lot of good YouTube tutorials and stuff on how to paint. I know um, Luke Carrington does like a Gold Squadron paint cast in which he kind of like walks through painting ships. Um, Really cool to watch. He does really good work. He's probably like one of the best painters um, out there. So absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. Check out those videos. Um, just YouTube some stuff. Learn how to paint. Um, I think... And probably order some brushes and paints online yeah. uh, if you're in Minnesota or Colorado because <laughs> right. we're on lockdown right now. So yep. No, it's, it's fine. We can just go to the grocery store and pick up some paint, right, Tim? Definitely. Uh, perfect, yeah. Um, and then my last thing, uh, you know, to get your Star Wars fix if you're tired of watching the movies or, you know, can't play X-Wing... Um, you can read Star Wars books and or comics. Um, you can get, you know, if you've got Kindles or other devices, you can get the digital versions. Um, and it's cool to, like, 
read about the characters that you come to know through the TV shows and maybe even characters from the game that you've never, you know, seen in popular Star Wars media, uh, read a book or pick up a comic. Um, a lot of those like quote unquote FFG made up characters, um, appear in some of that, uh, material. So it's cool to read up on it. Yeah. And this would be good for us because all those new characters, I always struggle with their names. <laughs> so probably good to get some more exposure. Yeah. I mean, Carson, it would help if you just read your X-Wing cards sometime. Yeah. But I don't read. Rules. Neither does Paul. It's okay. <laughs> but if you're tired of reading, check out Clone Wars on Disney+. Plus. The season seven's been pretty good so far, so check it out. The final season. Okay, but, but y'all should YouTube feel inside. It's great. <laughs> okay, so our takeaways here. John says something uplifting. Clone Wars. On Disney Plus, Carson says, uh, what's it called? Feel Inside and Stuff Like That by Flight of the Concords. Yep. Um, and my recommendation is going to be Into the Breach for sure. Pick up that video game if you can. It's not that expensive, and I've probably sunk, I don't know, 200 hours into it this past year. Um, it is fantastic. Lots of replayability. All right, so there you go. Some vaguely X-Wing related content and then a bunch of filler that we put in talking about stuff we like. Um, and if you have any suggestions, uh, let us know. We, we're definitely looking for topic ideas, things you want to hear our opinions on, hopefully X-Wing related, but we'll take anything we can get at this point. And if you still need to get your X-Wing fix, um, I don't know if it's too late to sign up or not, but uh, Fly Better and Gold Squadron are putting together a jank tank vassal tournament. So if you do like vassal, um, check that out. Every Every entry... Um, they will donate a dollar to a charity of, I believe, the winner, overall winner's choice. Yeah. So, you know, check it out. Yeah, I think I need to sign up for that and then just convince my opponent to play Tabletop Simulator instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. Um, we're hoping we'll get back into more serious X-Wing content. Uh, hopefully everyone's doing doing well and staying safe out there. I know it's a hard time. Um, a lot of people are sick. A lot of people are stuck at home. So uh, stay safe out there, guys, and uh, make some responsible decisions about going outside. Um, if you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash radio TCX, and you can like our Facebook page. You can also go on to iTunes and leave the podcast a five-star review saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Close enough. Good enough. As long as it's within a couple seconds, I can sync it up. I have to move it around anyway, but I think it's within a couple of seconds, yeah. so you can sync it up. Garson, you might want to move your mic into pointing at your face.
That's probably why you're so um, quiet. This is interesting. Okay, so now you can critique me. <laughs> I mean, we're tr- the long um, mystery has been why is Carson so much quieter than everyone else on Radio TCX, and I've never been able to solve it. Okay, well, okay, let's you know, let's work on this. Yeah, um, now's the time. Directly in front of your face. It should be blocking. Well, your okay, mouth. so yeah, like is th- this is good, right? You should, you, the mic, so the only thing you need to know is that, the, like, you look at me and John, the mic is pointing directly at our mouths, and we're talking okay. directly into it. <clears throat> um, but, but, I have to be able to see the notes. That's true. So, like, me and John right now are looking over our pop filter to look at our notes. Um, uh, okay. This is going to be a great after credits. Haven't you been doing this for like four years? Um, <laughs> and you're just now figuring out how to talk into your we, mic? We don't. Okay, this is. John, that's not constructive, right? Okay. We need to focus on <laughs> the future. I just learned how to not make our episodes so quiet because GarageBand is dumb. Oh, nice. Okay, but also, this is going to be harder for me to get my drink in here. You can move your head away when you're not talking. <laughs> you don't, you're not you don't have to, to like constantly. Mic, yeah. I like the Beatles. Hot take from John. <laughs>